15 days to slow the spread. That is what we were all told 1,032 days ago. And nevertheless, President Joe Biden has just announced that the government will be extending the COVID public health emergency order for the 12th time for another 90 days. After which time, I'm sure the government will let the order expire, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me hundreds and hundreds of times, and I'm not sure we have any capacity for shame left. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Dominic Zelenak, who says, 15 hours ago, uh, In-N-Out Burger is preparing for California's crackdown on beef with vegan and cricket-based meat options. That's so true. You're so right. It's not just that In-N-Out Burger is fleeing the high taxes and the high regulations and the broadly anti-Christian sort of uh, ethos that you're seeing in California. It's also... This whole great reset thing is coming for in and out, baby. This whole you will eat the bugs and you will like it thing, it is coming for your favorite fast food burger. Time to flee quickly before, before you are forced to grill up some double, double buggles. It doesn't sound good at all. Okay, I want to get back to good old America, all right? That's why you got to check out Four Patriots. A tree branch hit a power line in Ohio, 2003. It shut down 21 power plants. Around 100 people died. We have a power grid that was designed in the 1800s. Even the White House sees it. White House is saying two-thirds of the grid is at least 25 years old. So they recently announced billions of dollars to update it. How long is that going to take? Very long time. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. With the Four Patriots Patriot Power Generator, you get a portable solar generator that does not install into your house. You can take it with you wherever you go. The Four Patriots Patriot Power Generator is powerful enough for your phones, medical devices, even your fridge. Right now, you can go to fourpatriots.com, use code Knowles to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You will also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. A portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Go to fourpatriots.com. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-A-S, to get 10% off. That is fourpatriots.com. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to get yours and be prepared today. I don't know if you know this, but Joe Biden is not an honest man. (laughs) He's not. I know that the COVID lockdown stuff did not begin under Joe Biden, but it has extended, apparently indefinitely, under, under Joe Biden. And you could see... After Trump announced the 15 days to slow the spread, he then tried to take it back. You could see him trying to take the power back from Dr. Fauci, trying to take the power back from the libs, trying to take the power back from the World Health Organization, the CDC, and everyone who was shutting down our whole society. Remember, he suggested in 2020, maybe we can reopen the country by Easter. Wouldn't that be good? And we were all excited for that. But unfortunately, once he had given that power and that influence away, it, it proved impossible to get it back. And now Joe Biden doesn't want to take it away. Joe Biden wants to mandate the vaccines for everybody. Joe Biden wants to keep the country in a state, if not of lockdown, then at least of emergency measures where the government can, can lock you down whenever it wants to. 
And, and they're going to keep doing this. Joe Biden, do you remember when he became president, he said, who were headed for a, a winter of death and darkness. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> he seemed so excited because he knew that it would give him more and more power. So, okay, Joe Biden now says, only 90 more days of the emergency lockdown. Yeah, okay, sure thing. If you believe that, then I have got a bridge in Brooklyn to see you. Don't forget, Joe Biden had to drop out of his first presidential run specifically for lying. And he is, all politicians lie or most most politicians lie, but Joe Biden lies a lot more and a lot more egregiously than most of them. He lied about the man who was involved in the car accident that killed his wife. He, I mean, he lied about really, really awful personal things. He, he lied about his academic record. He has lied about his political record. He's lied about it all. And now apparently he lied about the classified documents that he was hiding in his private office. So uh, we talked about this yesterday. After the Democrats have spent weeks and weeks and weeks making a huge hullabaloo about how Donald Trump had classified documents and they could potentially endanger sources and get people killed. It's this horrible, he's selling state secrets. And it was so egregious that the FBI had to go kick down the door practically at Mar-a-Lago, raid the former president's home. Uh, They're talking about prosecuting Donald Trump. Well, then it turned out Joe Biden did exactly the same thing. In fact, what Joe Biden did is worse because it turned out Joe Biden had a bunch of classified documents in a private office of his, in a closet in a private office, just like Donald Trump did. But the difference was Trump had the legal right to declassify whatever documents he wanted as president. Joe Biden, when he took those documents and we stored them for years and years, he did not have that right because Joe Biden had only been the vice president. So we talked about the documents that were found. Turns out there's another trove of documents that were just found, mishandled by Joe Biden. Uh, we don't know exactly where the, the other batch of documents were. The first batch were in Joe Biden's private office at his fake tank, think tank. But, but the the new one, we just don't know, but we do know that they're classified and we do know that the government is going in now and taking these documents. So to be as fair as I possibly can, presumably Joe Biden could declassify all of these documents now. So it's the same principle that we're applying to Donald Trump. As president of the United States, Joe Biden could say right now with a wave of his magic wand, these documents are declassified. There is no higher authority that Joe Biden has to appeal to to declassify documents because he's the commander in chief. He's the president of the United States. He's the top of the executive branch. If Joe Biden had to go to some middling bureaucrat to say, excuse me, will you approve my declassification order? Then that would completely undermine his constitutional role as president of the United States. However, when Biden took those documents, And for the years and years, what was it, something like five years in which Joe Biden was storing those documents, he did not have the right to do that. That was illegal. That was much, much worse than what Trump did. And so we've now got three data points on this. We've got Donald Trump had documents at Mar-a-Lago. Joe Biden had classified documents at his private offices. And Hillary Clinton had lots and lots of classified documents on her email server. Hillary's was probably the most egregious. Hillary was not the vice president of the United States. She was secretary of state. And the documents were not old documents that she took from her time in government. They were current documents. And the documents weren't locked up in a closet in a physical form where it would be very hard to take them or create copies of them. They were on an easily hacked server. And if any of those 
episodes were going to get people killed, it certainly would be Hillary Clinton's. What happened to Hillary? Nothing. Not so much as a slap on the wrist. Joe Biden improperly soared classified documents that he had no right to declassify for years and years and years. Highly sensitive, could reveal sources and methods. What's going to happen to Joe Biden? Absolutely nothing. Donald Trump takes some souvenir documents from his time in the White House, documents that he had 100% authority to declassify. What happens? The FBI raids his house. So I just don't want to hear it, okay? I think we can now firmly conclude that this issue of the classified documents has nothing to do with principle. It has nothing to do with real national security threats. It is simply about punishing political enemies. Hillary does it. Hillary does the worst version of it. No big deal. No slap on the wrist. Doesn't matter. Biden does a pretty bad version of it. No big deal. Brush it under the rug. Nothing to see here. Move along, move along. Donald Trump does the version of it that is most defensible and hardest to claim is illegal in any way. It's the end of the world. Americans are being killed overseas. We're we're giving away the nuclear secrets. This man needs to go into an orange jumpsuit. And and now that this happened to Biden, you're going to see the news move right along. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Okay. This is just about punishing political enemies. You know this is the case because the White House is dodging questions on this issue like Neo in the Matrix. Okay. The Corinne Jean-Pierre, poor lady, I hope she can, I hope she can bend to the side the right way because the questions are pretty straightforward. The issue is pretty clear and she is dodging them as fast as she can. On these documents, how could anyone be that irresponsible. Isn't that what this president says about mishandling classified documents? The president spoke to this personally. He spoke to this personally. He, again, he believes that uh, classified documents and information should be taken seriously. He takes them seriously. And he was surprised it's, it's to learn by any, any records. Have been. I disagree. I disagree. Here's what happened. Here's what happened once then his... Then why is there a Justice Department? Well, let me, let me explain to you the process. Here's what happened when uh, his lawyers found out that the documents were there. They immediately turned them over uh, to their archives. How can President Biden be trusted moving forward with America's secrets? Because his lawyers, his team did the right thing. But he had a closet with he, classified his information lawyers in did it the that right, they found. How again, 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 he did, he was right surprised that the records were there. He spoke to this personally. He was surprised that the, that the records were there. And when his lawyers found out and his team found out that they were there, uh, they turned it over to their archives. And now it's being reviewed by the Department of Justice. Oh, he was surprised that the records were there. Okay, then. Okay, then. No big deal. Do I believe that Joe Biden was actually surprised that the records were there? Maybe. He's a liar, so I'm inclined not to believe him. But he's pretty forgetful, so I'm somewhat inclined to believe him. Either way, though, he was surprised that the records were there is no excuse. Intention can matter when we're talking about prosecuting crimes. But if the action that is taken, intentionally or unintentionally, is an egregious action, if it's against the law then there has to be some punishment for it, right? For the action itself, not merely the intention. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Think about the distinction between murder and manslaughter. Yes, it's true that we prosecute murder more severely than we prosecute manslaughter, but we prosecute manslaughter. Why? Because it's wrong to kill a person, whether you intend to kill a person or not. So is it wrong to mishandle these classified documents or is it not? Well, he just, he didn't, he didn't, intend to. Ignorance of the law is not an excuse. 
Ignorance of your own actions is not an excuse either, not ultimately. And so you're going to see the libs move on from this. And it's going to expose what the Trump classified documents episode, the walls are closing in, they've got him now of 2022, was really all about. It was just a bunch of nonsense to punish a political enemy. In fact, not only are you going to see these sorts of excuses for Joe Biden's behavior, you already are seeing them. And you're not just seeing them from his paid spokesman. You're not already seeing them from just from the White House press secretary. You're seeing them from the establishment media. You are seeing it from Joy Behar on the Butte. On the Butte. Joy, Be- Joy Behar on the Butte. We will get to Joy Behar in just one second. First, though, I- I'd-, I'd prefer to learn something. <laughs> Speaking of ignorance, I, I would like to be educated. That's why you got to check out Legacy Learning. Right now, head on over to richdadworld.com slash Knowles. Well, I want that to be my new nickname, Rich Daddy, Rich Daddy Knowles. You got to check out Rich Dad World. It's an online program led by the world famous author, Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, author of the top selling personal finance book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, is on a mission to elevate the financial well being of humanity. His upcoming free live stream event, where Robert and a team of trusted investors will go over their 2023 predictions, is his most popular event of the year. You are getting access to one of the most elite teams of investors, market leaders, and economists in the world for free. Regardless of your experience level, you can learn to boost your monthly cash flow and achieve your dreams of financial freedom. If you want to learn what smart investors are doing in 2023, listen to the number one personal finance author of all time for free. Head on over to richdadworld.com slash Knowles for free access to Robert Kiyosaki's 2023 predictions live stream. Plus, listeners, to this podcast, get a free copy of Robert's new book before it is even released to the public and a recorded coaching session valued at $200 for free. Head on over to richdadworld.com slash Knowles, get your free book and free access to the 2023 predictions live stream event. One last time, that is richdadworld.com slash Knowles. Joy Behar on The View says that this situation with Biden improperly storing classified documents, it's completely different from what Donald Trump did. Here's why. Byron needs to calm down a little bit because <laughs> there are some perhaps differences here. The optics are not necessarily the best. So is it good news for you? No, who, anything that makes us talk about him is good news for him. Not really. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think that no, what you just said is yeah, right, that, yeah. that there are differences in what happened. Yes, but you the know, optics are not good. Well, we all know that Trump is a liar and a thief. You know, <laughs> we know that. Jump to say that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. That's probably what's going on. That's what's going on, right? Now, I know, I know people are going to pull their hair out in indignation and shock at the absurdity of Joy Behar's statement that Joe Biden, he's not a liar and a thief. Joe, put thieving aside. I mean, he seems pretty crooked to me, but he is a liar. He's probably the most infamous liar politician alive today. Not a cheap shot. I'm not just trying to throw a bomb at my political opponent. I mean, specifically for lying, he's been caught in it the most. He's had the most political consequence in his life because he's a liar. Democrats call him a liar. Republicans call him a liar. So, But put that aside for a second. The principle that Joy Behar is espousing here is we give more grace to people on our own side than we do to our enemies and to our political opponents. That's a pretty smart principle, actually. 
There's nothing wrong with that principle. There's nothing hypocritical. It's not that there's a double standard even with that kind of a principle. That is politics. Politics is a team sport. Politics begins with the premise that man is a social animal and we find our identity and our flourishing in society with one another. And when you're in democratic politics and Republican politics, such as we are, then there are going to be different coalitions that form to get things done. No man is an island. You can't do politics all by yourself. And so you form coalitions and it is perfectly natural to have more trust in the people who are close to you. It is perfectly natural to give the benefit of the doubt or more of the benefit of the doubt to people who are part of your team, part of your family, part of your community, your fellow countrymen. It is a liberal lie and error that that says that we should not afford any more grace or trust to our own countrymen than to anybody else on earth. It is, it is a fundamental political error that comes out of the libs. I'm not just saying the modern left-wing liberals. I'm talking about liberal modernity. I'm talking about the last several hundred years that says, oh no, all these things like loyalty to family, loyalty to tribe. You often hear tribal politics is that's the worst thing in the world. Well, people are in tribes, aren't they? People do come from families and tribes and nations. And it's natural to have a, a kind of affection for that and to offer some grace to that. The family is a natural human institution and political communities progress naturally from that. Patriotism is a logical extension of filial piety. I have no problem with with Joy Behar saying, yeah, look, Biden's on my team. And so I trust him more than I trust the guy on the other team. I wish conservatives would understand that a little bit better. There's nothing wrong with preferring your family to somebody else's family. There's nothing wrong with preferring your country to somebody else's country. Everyone else on earth operates that way. It's only these these benighted liberals in the West who have thrown all that out the window and said that no human beings are all just undifferentiated individuals floating in the ether somehow. We're all citizens of the world kumbaya. No, that's not true. It's not, not how politics works. It's not how human nature works. So anyway, enough about Biden's documents. Biden is trying to turn this news cycle around. The way he's going to turn it around is by visiting the border, showing that he's getting really tough on illegal immigration. And uh, Biden tweets out, quote, our problems at the border did not arise overnight and they won't be solved overnight. Translation, I'm not actually going to do anything about this, but I want to seem really serious. I'm going to go visit the border for the first time, certainly since he's been president. I think maybe for the first time in his entire political career, he's done some drive-bys by border towns. I'm not sure the man has ever actually been down to the border proper until now. He says, We can come together to fix this broken system. We can ensure the border, secure the border rather, and fix the immigration process to be orderly, fair, safe, and humane. There's a real irony about the photo that he posts because the photo features exactly three unique elements. Features himself, features border agents, border patrol agents, and it features the wall. He's, he's taking the picture in front of two things that this man has vilified throughout his presidency. Do you remember early on in, in the Biden administration, he attacked the border patrol agents for allegedly riding around on horses and, and using a whip 
to scourge the poor illegal aliens trying to get across. Which, by the way, if you or I or anybody else broke into another country that had a big immigration problem, you could expect that other country to use that sort of a measure or similar measures to keep us out. But for us to ever try to secure the border, that would be shocking. And, and when you saw the image, you said, well, maybe it, I don't know, maybe it sort of looks like he's using a whip, but I, I just don't buy that. We, we allow 2 million illegal aliens to flood into the country every single year. I don't think that there are border agents like Indiana Jones using whips all along the border. And of course, it turned out it was not true. It was a complete calumny from Joe Biden that the thing that looked like a whip was just the reins of the horse. The guy was just trying to ride his horse as it was bucking up and down. So he vilifies the border agents until they're convenient for him. Of course, he vilifies the wall. Oh my goodness, has there, been, has there been any greater object from the Trump administration of the Democrats' ire than the wall? Oh my goodness, they hated that wall until it's convenient. So what does this picture tell us? It tells us that Joe Biden believes that the American people want to secure the border. It tells us that Joe Biden believes that the wall is popular with the American people. It tells us Joe Biden believes that border patrol agents are popular with the American people. And the Democrats will say otherwise. They will say, no, the majority of Americans want there to be 10 zillion immigrants every year. No, no, the majority of Americans, they hate that border wall. That's why we're not going to, they'll say this at their donor retreats. They'll say this at their rallies. We're not going to build any more wall. The wall's evil. We're going to abolish border protection and all the cops and we're going to accept. Actions speak louder than words. Or even more precisely, a picture says a thousand words. And so the picture that Joe Biden chooses to present is of him getting tough on the border with the agents, with the wall. Now, the problem is pictures and politicians can be deceiving. And so what Joe Biden is trying to do here is to deceive people. He's not going to build any more wall. The president of Mexico, AMLO, just came out and said he was so happy that Joe Biden hadn't built one extra foot of, of border wall. But he's not going to actually do anything about it. He's going to continue to undermine border patrol, but he is going to push that image out there for the public because he knows that his policy is in opposition to what the American people actually want. And Republicans are mercifully, finally, wonderfully starting to do something about it, specifically on this issue. The uh, con- Conservative Republican Representative Pat Fallon has just filed articles of impeachment against Border Security or Border Secretary uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. So this is the Secretary of Homeland Security who is in charge of the border. Uh, he has now uh, had articles of impeachment introduced against him. Now, what are you going to impeach the guy for? Don't forget, I'm with Joy Behar on this principle. I think we we should be tougher on our opponents than we are on our friends. I'm not one of these squishy conservatives who says, well, you know, it's actually, it would be terribly unprincipled if we were to uh, f- focus more political ire on our enemies who want to destroy us in the country than on our friends who are doing their best to help but sometimes screw up. No, I'm, I'm all for it. Go after this guy. Go after Mayorkas. Go after Joe Biden with everything you've got. But you got to do it smart. And the question is, what are they going to get Mayorkas on? The Democrats during the the Trump impeachments, not just impeachment, they impeached the guy twice. They made the argument that you don't need any legal basis to impeach somebody. It's a purely political act. 
That's not the conservative point of view. Alan Dershowitz, who is a liberal, though he is nicer to conservatives than most liberals, Alan Dershowitz, great Harvard law professor, he pointed out, no, 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 you need a legal basis. You, to impeach somebody, they have to commit high crimes or misdemeanors. It's not just that you, you don't like the way they're doing their job. Maladministration is not a sufficient basis for impeachment. So what are they going to get Mayorkas on? Is it going to be the flimsy nonsense that the Democrats tried to impeach Trump over? No. It actually very possibly could be closer to what the Republicans impeached Clinton over back in the 1990s. Since day one, says the, uh, the uh, Republican representative, sorry, <laughs> it's, it's really very confusing here when you're going through all of the various articles of impeachment when we've lived in a time where there have been four impeachments in 20 years. Uh, since day one, says Representative Pat Fallon, Secretary Mayorkas's policies have undermined law enforcement activities at our southern border, from perjuring himself before Congress and maintaining operational control of the border to the infamous whipgate slander against our border patrol agents. Secretary Mayorkas has proven time and again that he is unfit to lead the Department of Homeland Security. Okay, I totally agree with all of that, and the man obviously is unfit to lead DHS. But doing a bad job and being unfit is not a grounds for impeachment. Perjury is. Don't forget, the Republicans in the 90s did not impeach Bill Clinton over his extracurricular activities with his intern. The Republicans of the 1990s did not impeach Bill Clinton because of his eccentric and imaginative conception of what a humidor is. The Republicans of the 1990s impeached Bill Clinton for perjury because he lied. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, but he did. Well, it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. Mm, I, I, hey, I'm Bubba. I used to be the president. Yeah, right. So Slick Willie was able to get out of it by arguing, actually by arguing that he was a selfish lover. When you look down at the definition of sexual relations that the Clinton camp and the investigators were agreeing upon, uh, it it gave him a little bit of an out, wherein if he was not uh, intending to provide s- sexual satisfaction to his partner, his intern in this case, that he maybe could weasel his way out of saying that he had sexual relations with that woman. At least that was the argument at the time. And Slick Willie was a really talented, is a really talented politician and was able to, to get out of it. Mayorkas is not that. So if the Republicans can get him on perjury, good, good on it. Uh, I know that Joe Biden's just going to put some other big lid there in at the border. And I know that Mayorkas isn't even the one who's really crafting the policy. That policy is very likely coming higher up at the level of the White House. Doesn't matter. Go out there, Republicans. Claim that political scalp. Go out there. Take down one of, of Biden's cabinet secretaries. When I think about what the Trump cabinet secretaries went down over, it is astounding to me. They got Tom Price on private jets. Remember Tom Price, the Republican Secretary of Health and Human Services. He took some private jets. This created a political scandal. He had to resign over that. And and Trump backed the resignation. Absolutely nothing compared to the egregious activities of the Democrat cabinet secretary. So good on him. Republicans go get them. Congress is throwing its weight around. More good news coming out of the Pentagon now. The Pentagon is ending its vaccine mandate for servicemen after the 
House GOP makes them do it. The DOD is ending it because House Speaker Kevin McCarthy forced an end to the program last month with the new National Defense Authorization Act, which is the annual defense policy and spending bill that passed. And so it's not that the Pentagon just decided uh, out of the goodness of its heart. It's not that Mark Milley there was able to put down the Ibram Kendi, was able to put down gender queer by Maya Kobabi and, and went in and scrubbed all the purple out of his hair and, and you know, got, got rid of some of his piercings and his pride flags and said, you know what? Now all of a sudden we're not going to make you take the Fauci ouchie. That's not what happened. What happened was the House GOP forced the Pentagon's hand. What happened was the GOP used political power for good effect and, and reminded all of us that it's not just a, a completely desperate situation. It's not just that Republicans have absolutely no power whatsoever. It's very easy to despair in the lingo of the cool young hip youths. It's very easy to get blackpilled and think that there's just no chance that we're ever going to have anything even resembling a conservative sort of society again. If that were the case, the libs would not be fighting so hard to secure their power. I, I think that conservatives actually can still maintain a little bit of political power and we can grow it more if we're willing to exercise it. Great example of this, down in Florida, Ron DeSantis just showing the model for what conservative governors and frankly what, what conservatives at the federal level should be doing. Ron DeSantis has just threatened to stop Chinese communists from buying real estate in the United States. My view on the, our economy is in Florida is, you know, we don't want to have holdings uh, by hostile nations. And so if you look at the Chinese Communist Party, they've been very active throughout the Western Hemisphere in gobbling up land and investing in different things. And, you know, when, when they have interests that are opposed to ours and you see how they've wielded their authority, and uh, especially with President Xi, who's taken a, a much more Marxist-Leninist turn uh, since he's been ruling China, uh, that is not in the best interest of Florida to have the Chinese Communist Party owning farmland, owning land close to military bases. But, you know, my view is, and I think there's a broad agreement in those two, but my view is, okay, yeah, no farmland, but why would you want them buying residential developments or things like that? I don't want them owning uh, subdivisions and things like that. Uh, I think that the issue is just going to be, I think people agree with that. The issue is going to be, yeah, obviously, if someone comes in and buys, it's not the CCP that's signing that. These are holding companies and all that. So you got to structure that in a way that will effectively police it. But yes, we do not need to have CCP influence um, in Florida's economy. Yes. Yes. Oh, I just love it. I wish I had a, a sort of New Year's Eve blowhorn and an American flag to wave around listening to that clip. This is so beautiful. Ron DeSantis totally gets it here. And I really hope this policy goes into effect because it is going to, not only is it morally and politically astute and right, but it's going to irritate all the right people <laughs> because the libs are going to go crazy. What do you mean you're taking away our Chinese communist influence in America? You can't do that. But it's also going to irritate the squishes. It's going to irritate the squishes because the squishes are going to say, well, yeah, sure. I don't, I mean, I don't want the Chinese communists having political control over America, but you know, what about the free market? 
what about, aren't we supposed to allow anybody to buy anything that he wants? We're not talking about the Chinese communists putting a spy into the Pentagon. No, we're just talking about them buying up some land. So now, now the heavy hand of the centralized government, you statists, you Ron DeSantis, you big government conservative, you're going to go in and tell people what they can buy in the free market? Yes. And, and you know, they might even be able to rationalize themselves. Okay, well, maybe you can put certain limits on how we operate in the free market if we're talking about a political party or a foreign power. So, okay, maybe, I don't know if I love this because I hate tariffs and I hate all restrictions on free trade, and, but all right, uh, maybe the CCP cannot buy land in America. Okay, fine, I'm willing to go there. But then Ron DeSantis points out, he says, do you think the Chinese communists are, are coming in, they're going up to Houlihan Lawrence Real Estate, and they're saying, okay, uh, yes, uh, where do I put Chairman Xi's signature on the dotted line? You think she is flying over to him? He's saying, okay, here's the CCP credit card. I want to buy this on behalf of the Communist Party. No, of course not. The way that the Chinese are buying land in America and amassing even more political power than they already have is through intermediaries, through holding companies, through individuals who are connected to the Communist Party. And so DeSantis is saying, if we're actually going to do anything about this, we got we to put it into effect in a way that, that will be practical. And, and he points out, actually, later in those comments, he says, we've already done this at the universities. We've gone after the Confucius Institutes. Confucius Institutes are, they're not the Chinese Communist Party Club. They, they have a facade of being purely academic or purely cultural or not related. But what DeSantis and other GOP politicians, Ted Cruz in particular, have pointed out is, no, they're just fronts for the Communist Party. They should be banned from the universities. Let's go, baby. Wield the heavy hand of the state to protect our national security interests, but, but just to protect our country. It, if we're living in a country right now, and, and depending on where you live in the United States, you might be seeing this directly. If we're living in a country where a hostile foreign power is coming in and buying up a lot of real estate, that doesn't only present a national security interest, that presents economic hardship and an upending of the political order. Simply by the fact that they're driving up real estate prices. You got a ton of money coming out of China, coming into the United States from the party that is driving up your rent, driving up your mortgage. You, you see DeSantis there, he's saying, yeah, of course, with the farmland, that, that presents an immediate security threat. But he says, why do we want the Chinese communists buying residential property either? It's a reminder. And DeSantis gets this, and he's not the only Republican to get this, but he has articulated it in a, in a really powerful way, in a really clear way. He understands that the economy is for the nation. The nation is not for the economy. Free market principles, open trade, those, those can be good things, but they are a means to an end. And the end is a good country and a flourishing society. And when we put the cart before the horse, then things get a little bit wonky. Ron DeSantis is not a Stalinist, okay? He's not some heavy-handed, big authoritarian government. He's a normal politician who recognizes that we live in a republic, and republic comes from race publica, it means public things, and he understands that his job is to govern for the common good of all. That's why states are instituted. And that 
That doesn't mean confiscating property and turning us all into commies. Quite the opposite. He's saying we need to reduce the power of the communists. And the way to do that is to wield just political power that the people have given us through our form of government. Really, really great stuff. I hope that other conservatives take note. The libs have dispirited us for so, so long. They've made us think, well, you, can, you guys can never wield political power. Well, DeSantis is showing we can. Other GOP politicians are too, but DeSantis is doing it in a really, really clear way. It's a new year, folks, but leftist companies are still up to their same old dirty tricks. Ladies, ladies, it is time to help your fellas wash out the woke once and for all with Jeremy's Razor's new line of men's staples. He will love the tea tree and argon oil infused shampoo and conditioner. If you're watching the show right now, you'll notice I'm in a hotel room. I'm out in Cali filming some episodes of PragerU's book club. We had some really great books coming up. Uh, but the only downside, the only downside, other than being away from my family and my children, other than having to be in Mussolini's hellscape right now where no one has any freedom, the, I guess the, one of three downsides is I don't get to use that Jeremy's shampoo. I got to use the stupid hotel shampoo. Make sure you get the shampoo that is responsible for this quaff that you see every day. They've got the exfoliating charcoal body wash. If your man is a soap traditionalist who prefers something to hold on to, the oatmeal and citrus soap scrub. Maybe you'll hold on to it. Mm, I don't know. They smell great. They're all made right here in the USA by a men's grooming company that does not hate men. Shop the new Jeremy's hair, face, and body wash collection and kick woke out of the bathroom. Speaking of racial and ethnic tensions, Kumail Nanjiani is upset about how Hollywood casts people of color and how Hollywood does not cast people of color, but not in the way that you think. Kumail Nanjiani, I have seen this name before. I don't really know what he's been in, but I definitely recognize him as having been in lots of movies and things. He is very upset because he wants to play a villain. And he says that Hollywood will not allow him to play a villain because Kumail Nanjiani, as you might be able to tell from his name, is not a white man. He says, I think that Hollywood now, even though they're trying to be more diverse, is still weird. And that It's just as limiting as anything else, he says. I want to play more bad guys. And then he starts talking about Sebastian Stan, a, a white friend of his. He says, Sebastian Stan does these big Marvel movies, and then he'll play a psychopath. I was told that's going to be hard for me because people don't want to cast non-white people as bad guys. This is true. If you've watched movies at all over the last 30 years, 40 years, you will notice that the bad guy always has to be a white guy. And this is why in, in James Bond, during the War on Terror era, You'll notice James Bond never fought Osama bin Laden. James Bond, the purpose of the James Bond series is to reflect in a fun and campy and exciting way the chief enemies that we in the West were fighting. So during the Cold War, it was all about the evil Ruskies. That's really what it was about. Even though they had all these colorful characters and Blofeld and all the rest of it, it was about the Cold War. Then the Cold War ends in the early 90s and James Bond is in a new era. What are we going to do? Who are we really fighting? And so you get these kind of post-Soviet, GoldenEye, great James Bond movie, these kind of post-Soviet villain types. But then during the war on terror, it should be so clear, James Bond is fighting Muslim terrorists, except he couldn't. 
He couldn't because of political correctness. The only, the, the nearest thing to a person of color that Hollywood will allow to become a villain, it's the Russians. Russians are the, are the people of color of the white people. <laughs> and so Russians are allowed to be the villains. Eastern Europeans, they're kind of, but that's it. That's the closest you can get. And I, I am totally sympathetic to what Kumail Nanjiani is saying here. What he's saying is, this is dehumanizing. And it is. It is just as dehumanizing as saying that an Indian guy can't be the good guy or that a black guy can't be the good guy. It is just as dehumanizing to say that a black guy can't be the bad guy. But that's why the way, forget about Hollywood for a second, that is the way that our entire culture operates now. If there is a heinous crime committed, a school shooting or something like that, if the school shooter is a white guy, you are going to see that right at the top of the news report. 20-year-old angry white man, probably radicalized by the far right-wing people on the internet. He, this white, why are white men so angry? He has just committed this horrible crime. If it's a black guy who could, for a school shooting or whatever, any, any kind of attack, it will always say, 18-year-old man. There's no, the race is never mentioned. This is how actually when you read the news reports about any crime, if the race is not mentioned, you can almost 100% of the time bet that the attacker is not white. It's just, a, it's just a way that the news operates. If they can make the white guy the villain, they will. If they can't, they'll leave race out of it altogether. And that is dehumanizing. I, I would always talk about this when, when I brought up Christopher Columbus or when, when someone raised the, the issue of the pilgrims and the early Americans and what we did to those poor Native Americans. When, when people would propose this Pocahontas view, uh, not the Elizabeth Warren view and not the actual story of Pocahontas, but you know, the Disneyland kind of view of the indigenous people that were all, the avatar view, they were all just living in accord with nature, playing their drums, singing Kumbaya, dancing around with the does and the deer all through until the evil white man came. And he upset this wonderful balance of nature. They were all, basically these indigenous people. They were living, they were immortals in Edenic paradise. And then the white man came and despoiled, despoiled it all. And now there's sin and death that pervades. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. It is just as absurd to say that the Native Americans could not be bad in any way as to say that the Native Americans could not be good in any way. It's dehuman. These are people. When you look at the real story of the Mayflower and the early, the pilgrims and the early Americans in New England, it's much more interesting than the idea that they showed up and they gave everybody smallpox blankets and they killed off all the Indians and took their corn. That's not what happened. The, the Indians there, I'm specifically thinking of people like Massasoit. I'm specifically thinking of people like his progeny, King Philip. I'm specifically thinking of the, the Massachusetts Indians, I'm, I'm thinking of the Algonquin Indians, I'm thinking about all of the different tribes around there. They were crafty, they were smart, especially our buddy Massasoit. They were tacticians and strategists. Massasoit used the pilgrims to grow his political control all around the region and had, had his progeny, King Philip, not screwed everything up because he misinterpreted how his brother died. They probably could have lived together in relative peace for a much longer period of time. He's a real man. When, when Massasoit decided to side with the pilgrims against the Massachusetts, he was making a political decision. And it was, it was a smart political decision as far as I'm concerned. They're humans too. And humans are not just, humans can be bad guys. 
even Indian people, even, even black people can be bad guys. But it's identity politics all the way down in our culture. This is a story I've been meaning to get to. I'm glad we finally have time. Breaking news. If you're driving, please pull over. If you're standing up, please sit down. Mars Candy will be releasing all female packs of M&Ms. Yes, finally. How, how is the candy female? I, well, the way that the candy's female is that they've got those little cartoons that they put in the commercials. And some of the cartoons are men and some of the cartoons are women. This, this issue actually came up about a year ago because uh, M&Ms announced that the green M&M was no longer going to be sexy. Previously, the green M&M was really, really hot and sexy as far as candy-coated chocolates go. And then they decided they were going to make the green M&M kind of frumpy and sexually ambiguous. So, okay, going with the culture, I guess. Uh, but now, now they're saying, okay, we're going to release all female packs. And why are they doing that? Because they want to, quote, celebrate women everywhere who are flipping the status quo. And it's really funny because the pack actually just shows these women upside down. <laughs> these women hanging by their feet completely upside down. doesn't seem very celebratory to me. But what does it tell you about the culture? What this, it, it, the M&M story actually does tell you something about the culture we're living in. It tells you that our culture today is glib, gay, and contemptuous of our forebears. That's what it is. This is so glib. So much of our activism, of our real political discourse in this country, is putting the chick M&Ms in the bag. That's how we're going to seriously deal with the moral and political issues of our time. We're going to post a black square on Instagram. Yeah, that's right. You know what we're going to do? We're going to start a hashtag. Yes. Michelle Obama, while she was first lady of the United States, while her president was the most powerful man in the world, posted on social media a picture of herself holding up a white sheet of paper that said, hashtag bring back our girls. And she was frowning. She looked very serious. Because Boko Haram, a terrorist group, had kidnapped a bunch of girls. Said, bring back our girls. Her husband's the president. If, if he wanted to get rid of Boko Haram, he could do it in two seconds. Boko Haram, these, they don't, I don't think they have a nuclear weapons. I don't think they're the most sophisticated or civilized people in the world. They're a thug terror group of, of people using very old weaponry who could be wiped out by the U.S. military in a morning before lunch. But for any number of reasons, Barack Obama didn't want to go take out Boko Haram. So how are we going to stop it? We're going to hold up hashtags. Did we ever get Coney 2012? Are we there yet? I'm not so sure. Very glib culture and a gay culture. And I'm using gay in a technical sense of that term. Not to mean that it's a happy culture. It's not a happy culture. But gay meaning we don't recognize that men need women and women need men. We don't recognize that. We don't recognize that men and women are complementary. Our culture views men and women alternately as identical and indiscernible and as in opposition to one another. The old expression used to be that uh, you will never have a war between the sexes in this country because everybody is sleeping with the enemy. Increasingly, that's not so true. 20 plus percent of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ. So I don't know, maybe you will get a, a gender war in the country. Glib, it's gay, and it's contemptuous of our forebears. Congratulations to women for flipping the status quo. What's wrong with the status quo? I got plenty of problems with the status quo because of how it has upended our our millennia-long traditions in recent decades. That's my issue with the status quo. But most people's issue on on the left with the status quo is that anything that happened in the past 
is really bad and evil. Anything that's happening right now is a crisis and it's pretty bad and evil. And anything that happens in the future is going to be better than the present and the past. That is a culture that is in serious decline. That is a culture, I hope it's not terminal decline, but it's a culture that's given up the the most important democracy in the world. That's the democracy of the dead that does not merely confine uh, the the decisions about how we live to the people who happen to be walking on, on the earth at the present moment, but actually looks to the past, receives wisdom, recognizes that maybe we don't know every single thing that's ever been discovered. Maybe, maybe a span of 80 years is not enough time to learn everything that there is to learn. Maybe we ought to have a little respect for history and the great men who came before us. No, our culture says no. Enjoy your M&Ms. The member block starts right now. Uh, this is a I don't, I don't have a pun for today. What is today? Thursday. This is, there's a story that I wanted to get to Thursday. And by which I mean my producer, Ben Davies. It's not a good pun. If you can think of a better pun, please let me know in the comments. My producer, Ben Davies, has a story every week that he's upset that I don't get to. And so I've got the story here facing upside down. I will flip it over and read the story for the first time. You got to go to the member block to do that, okay? That is dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout. You will get two months free on all annual plans. See you at the member block.